Well, it's good to be back. It's good to see you. Hope you're doing well. And if um, you don't remember who I am, tell you a little bit about myself. Not that it's all that great, but um, me and my wife, Christy, have been married 40 years. And for 31 of those years, as a pastor at Eagles Landing First Baptist Church in McDonough. So we invested our lives there, grew up with the church. God blessed us in a wonderful way. We have one son, Micah, his wife, Kelly, and then two grandsons, Wyatt, who's six, and Jack, that's four. And they're a blast, and I'm just enjoying uh, getting to spend time with them and investing with them. And then, then I transitioned to work with Georgia Baptist and Pastor Wellness, and now work with the North American Mission Board doing that throughout North America, Canada, the U.S., and down into Puerto Rico. And so we work with pastors and churches to impact the world through church planting and encourage those pastors and their families through uh, pastoral care. And, man, it is, it's good to be here uh, with you today. And let me just say, I don't take lightly the opportunity to stand before you and open up God's Word and let His Word speak. And that's what we get to do today. We get to hear God's voice. We get to hear Him speak to us. And I pray today you've come with an open heart, ready to hear what God would say to you. And I've come with an open heart, what God would say to me. And we're going to share that time together. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to Jude. We're going to get there in just a minute. If you don't know where Jude is, turn to Revelation. Know where that is? Last book in the Bible. Start the right, turn back to the left. Jude's just one chapter, a few verses. Just hold it right there and we'll make our way there in just a minute. But um, as, as I start this time, I want to do something a little different. You think about it, we are the last Sunday of January 2022. It feels like yesterday we just started this new year. I mean, the time goes by fast. And when we're encouraged in the Psalms, teach us to number our days. That is important for us to realize that every day that we have to live is a gift from God. And uh, man, we are good. We're blessed to have another day to live for the Lord. And particularly on this Sunday, um, the last Sunday of January in 2022. And I want to ask you a question as you think about, not from your life at this point backwards, but from your life at this point forward, I mean, what's going to drive you? What's going to shape your decisions, what you do every day, how you conduct yourself? What's going to determine how you treat people, how you make decisions, how you respond to situations? What are you looking at each day for? I mean, oftentimes when I talk to people about their life in Christ, um, somewhere in the conversation, it will come up that they have a life verse. And oftentimes people's life verse came to them out of some situation they experienced in life and God's word spoke to them. It met a need in them. And that's really good. And I'm so thankful for those moments when life and God's word intersect and God shows himself faithful and true to minister to our hearts and to encourage us in our walk and in our life. But I think every single person needs to have a, a mission verse. Not what we have to do today but what we get to do every day. And in, you know, a lot of reading in the New Testament, there are a lot of great passages. One of them that just jumps out at me and kind of sets the context for what I want to talk about in Jude today is out of Acts chapter 20. Paul's talking to the Ephesian elders. Um, he's been told that what awaits him is not going to be good. It's not going to be pleasant. But he, he is ready to live out God's will and God's purpose for his life. And so he says down in verse 24, this is what he, he says. It's not going to be on the screen, but just listen. He says, but I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course 
and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now, did you hear that? Well, what Paul was being told was what awaits you in Jerusalem is not going to be good. I mean, there is going to be, there's going to be suffering involved. It's going to be an awkward moment for you, very difficult time. And he says to them, I do not account my life of any value to myself, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel for the grace of God. Now listen, obviously that has specific context. Paul had a specific assignment in his life when he lived on this earth. Perhaps the greatest missionary to ever walk the planet, wherever he went, he carried the gospel and was intentional about sharing with people the good news of Jesus. But I want you to know that every day that God gives you, doesn't matter if you're 14 and a believer or 84, every day that God gives you in this world, you are on mission for him. I am on mission for him. This verse is significant to me. It's almost like an aim, a goal that I want to get to. Where I can say with the Apostle Paul, I do not count my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That's what we're here for. It's not what we have to do. It's what we get to do. It's a a divine assignment from the Lord. And every single one of us, success in this life is not gauged by how much money you make, what position or title you achieve, not how early you can retire, or what things you have in your garage, or what house you live in, or the accumulation of possessions. It is how faithful have you been to the call of God? How useful have you been to the kingdom of God? Everywhere we go, we have the grand opportunity to introduce, to introduce people to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we don't need to pass that up. So here's, here's, my, here's my question. This kind of poses um, where we're going to focus today in Jude, and it poses the problem. How do I do that? How can I become that? I'm not a, I'm not a pastor. I, I'm in school. I'm in seventh grade. I'm in 10th grade. I'm in college. I'm an accountant. I'm a teacher. I'm a banker. I'm in... I'm a counselor. I mean, how do I do that? How do I live out what God has intended for me in this life? Because I can tell you something. One day we're all going to die. Now, I'm not being negative here. It just happens, doesn't it? Everybody that lives dies. If the Lord tarries, we die. We just talked about two people in your own congregation that passed away. And that is heartbreaking. But it's true. And at the end of your life, when you add it all up, what's, what's, what is going to matter most? What's going to matter most? The things that you accumulated, the, the accomplishments that you achieved, or that you are faithful and fulfilling why God made you and put you here in the first place? Because he has a purpose and a plan for your life. That's why you woke up this morning. So how are you going to do that? How are you going to live that out? Because there's two things we know about this world. One, the world is always changing, isn't it? Man, every time you wake up, it's like something else has happened. Some bit of news, some devastation, some tragedy, some trial. The last two years have been constant change. But there's something else we know. God never does. He never changes. His love is ever true. He holds us in the palm of his hand, the grip of his grace, and never lets us go. And we can trust him with everything that we are and everything that we have. Now, I don't think anybody in this room, you're, listen, I'm just a fellow follower of Jesus. On this journey, wanting to live out my life for the glory of God. We just sang about it a moment ago. 
And that's so awesome to get to do that. that. Does that amaze you? You know everything that goes on inside of you, the good and the bad. Does it amaze you that the God of all creation knows everything about you, loves you still, and he uses you for his glory? It's amazing to me, but he does. Praise be to God, he does. Now, how are we going to keep ourselves in a position so that we do exactly why we're here, uh, why God has us here? We follow his plan, live out his purpose and his mission in our life. Because at the end of the day, when all is, when all is said and done, that's all that's really going to matter. And here's the answer. I think it's really simple. Keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the, One of my favorite phrases in all the New Testament, it comes from this little book, the book of Jude. So if you're looking there, and um, hopefully you found it by now, look down, if you will, um, in verse 20. There's only one chapter, verse 20. And let me just set the stage for you. This is written by the, one of the brothers of Jesus. His name's Judas. This Jude is the contracted form of Judas. He's writing to the church. He might as well be writing in the 21st century as he is in the first century. He's writing essentially the first part of this letter to encourage the church to contend for the faith. That's probably what we have all heard from, from Jude. If you knew anything about the Bible, you've heard preaching, teaching on scripture, and someone runs to Jude, they usually use verse three. Contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. That's what we hear. That's what we know about. And the reason is because false teachers have crept into the church and they're teaching all kinds of things that are not in accordance with God's truth and God's word. And people are just unaware to listen, pay attention, contend for the faith. It hasn't changed. It's forever true. But by the time he gets to verse 20, he changes. It's like a, a door swinging on its hinges. He opened it one way to talk about the false teachers, and now he opens it the other way to talk about believers. And we know that because in verse 20, he says, but you beloved, but you beloved, beloved meaning believers, those who are part of the family of faith. Listen to what he says. But you beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And we're just going, I want to just leave that on the screen for a minute because I want you to notice what's happening here. There is a goal here. It's an imperative statement. It's a command. He's talking to believers just like you and me with everyday lives, all the pressures and stresses that we have just in a different season of time. And he says, listen, whatever you do in your life, Keep yourself in the love of God. That's the aim. That's the goal. That's the command. That's the thing we need to have resounding in our heart. Keep yourself in the love of God. Now, let me tell you what he means. He does not mean live in such a way that God will love you and save you. I know you probably heard this. I hope people have preached that over and over, and it's so ingrained in your heart you can't get away from it. But I think because of being a pastor for so long and doing so many funerals and sitting down with people that have lost loved ones and saying, was this person a Christian? And hearing this out of their lips, they were a good person. It's like we need to hear it again. It's like we have not been listening. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people do. You with me? God doesn't love us because we're good. God loves us because he's good. You with me? So, I want you to know he's not saying, keep yourself in the love of God, saying, listen, live a good life so that God can love you. Listen, God already loves you. In fact, Romans chapter five, verse eight tells us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He 
displayed his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if you're here today, by the way, and maybe God's just been at work in your heart, stirring up your heart, and you're here today, you're just, you're trying to figure out where your place is in this world, and is there a God, and does he love you? Listen, let me tell you something. Without a doubt, there's a God. He made the heavens and the earth. He spoke them into existence. And he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's holy and just. And when he looks at mankind, listen, we are all sinners, all of us. I mean, there's some people, as far as people go, that might be a little better moral than others, but the truth is we are all sinners and our sin separates us from God. And there's nothing we can do about it. We can't build a stairway to heaven. We can't climb it on our own. We can't achieve enough good works to overcome the sin that's in our life. And God knew that. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. And then he died. You got to ask yourself the question, why did he die? Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, doesn't it? Did Jesus ever sin? Huh? No, he never sinned. So why did he die? He paid my sin debt, your sin debt on the cross. He paid our debt in full, buried in a tomb, rose the third day so that we might have life in his name. And listen, if you're here today and God's been at work in your heart, he drew you this place. It's not so that you know the people in this room. It's so that you can know him. And you can right where you are. If you believe what God tells us and what God showed us and demonstrated love in the person of Jesus, just admit that you're a sinner. Repent of your sin. That just means to have a change of mind that leads to a change of action. Place your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, for the eternal life. Eternal life is a free gift and heaven is a home. And commit your life to live for him. And he will save you and forgive you and make you his own. Is that not amazing? Do you remember when that happened in your life? I was 11 years old when I came to Christ. A teenager told me about Jesus. And I came to Christ. I, I don't know his name. I've never been able to tell him what happened in my life because on a beach in Panama City, he shared with me the gospel of Jesus. But I'm so thankful that he was faithful and God changed my life. Listen, he's not saying live a good life so that God will love you. What he's saying is keep yourself in the love of God so that you're experiencing and enjoying God's love. Listen, when you come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're never separated from Christ. The moment you come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in your heart and He lives in you. You say, explain that to me. I don't know how a holy God can live in me. I don't know how He can either, but I know He does. His Word tells us that. His Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation, meaning we belong to Him and it'll never be taken away. That's good news. That's security, isn't it? I love that. But listen, he's telling us, as believers, we need to keep ourselves in a position that we're enjoying and experiencing the love of God. And we all know what that feels like. So when I was growing up, uh, my, my mom and dad were not, um, my dad was not a pastor. My mom was not a pastor's wife. My dad was an accountant. My mom was a nurse. But they loved Jesus. And I was the oldest in my family. So when you're the oldest in the family, you get a lot of experimentation from parenting. They're just trying to learn how to parent, you know? And usually it's the stricter time. Anybody old, older, oldest child? 
You know what I'm talking about? And by the time they get to the third and fourth, they're like, oh, who cares? Just let them grow up on their own. But, and so there was a lot of bad, you know, bad things. You know, you think, ah, oh, Lee, I really had it rough when I was growing up. It's a little tough. They're just taking it all out of me. But one thing I loved is there's just a special affection between a mom and her son. Just something about that relationship. And there were some times when I felt I was loved by my mom, and there were some times I wish I could run far away from my mom. You know what I mean? But there's nothing like those moments when my mom would walk into my room and sit on the side of the bed and talk to me for a few minutes before I'd go to sleep. And she'd say, hey, look at me. And she would look me in the eye. She'd say, son, just always remember, I love you. Listen, I don't care how tough you are as a man. That'll melt your heart. Even when I got to be an adult, my mom would come over to our house, and we'd have a lot of good fellowship. She'd usually grab, grab my face. She'd look at me. Son, I'll always love you. That's sweet. That's sweet. We know that, Right? This morning when I left the house, left early, lived over in Jackson, so I got to early get over here early, and my wife was still getting ready. I walked in and gave her a kiss, and we looked eye to eye, and I said, I love you. She looked back at me, and she said, I love you too. That's experiencing and enjoying love. You with me? We know what that's like. Now, I remember hearing a pastor speak one time, and he had been with a group of pastors, and they were all talking about where they're headed, what they were going to do, what their next challenge was, and it got to him, and he thought, man, I've just gotten overwhelmed by all the things in this life. And he, all he could think to say to those guys was this, guys, I don't have a lot of plans. I'm just trying to get back to a place I've already been. Maybe you're sitting here today, and you're a believer and you know, there was a time in your life you're a whole lot closer to God than you are right now. God didn't move. His love is forever sure. But right now, you're not experiencing, enjoying the love of God, just trying to get back to a place you've already been. And the question is, how do we do that? How do we keep ourselves in the love of God? And look, look at this passage. We're going to unpack it for a minute. He says, but you, beloved, talking to believers, listen to these ING statements. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, and then jump on down to verse 21, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And so I want you to get this now. Jude's saying, Jude's saying, I want you to keep yourself in the love of God. Whatever you do, with all the turmoil that's surrounding you, with all these false teachers and all these trials that are going on in the church and the struggles in the community, keep yourself in the love of God. That's the goal. That's the aim. That's, that's the admonition. That's the command. How do I do that? Building, praying, waiting. Those are the three things that support it. This is what gets us there, what keeps us there. So, so what is he talking about? Let's just look at it. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. What is, what is he talking about? Now, it's interesting how he says this, isn't it? Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. 
Now, faith is holy because it's in a holy God, but it's like there's something more there. And if you look back to verse 3, when he, when he says this, beloved, use the same term that he uses in verse 20, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. There's an intimate connection between verse 20 and verse 1 and the faith and your most holy faith. And what he's telling us is this, the faith, by the way, is the body of teachings that we have about Jesus. We have them in God's word, the Bible. And so that's the faith. Here's how do you build up your most holy faith by growing in the faith? Are you, are you with me? You, you follow me? It's like, if you wanna gain some muscle, you don't eat McDonald's every day. Okay, that's they're not gonna get you there. It's gonna help you gain weight, but not the kind of weight you want. You with me? The same thing's true when it comes to spiritual health and vitality. How are we gonna build up our faith? Build up your faith by growing in the faith. And so, listen, I, I, I'm not being, um, I don't wanna be uh, Captain Obvious here, but I just wanna talk about something you already know. In fact, the first two things you really already know, you already have it ingrained in your heart, but I just think we need to be reminded of them. And it's this, how do we build ourselves up in the most holy faith? We immerse ourselves in God's word. We spend time in this book. I mean, just think about it. We're sitting here today. We all got Bibles. If you don't have them in, uh, with paper and ink, you have them on your phone. You have them on your iPad. We have them everywhere. I wonder if sometimes we take it for granted. You pick up this book and you begin to read. Do you, really, do you really think about who's talking to you? The God that spoke this world in existence is now opening his mouth and he's speaking to your heart and to mine. We read this word. And listen, what we need to do is we need to read it more. We need to read it more. We hear all kinds of things. And it's amazing the messages we hear. We've got stuff coming from the news. We listen to the radio, television. We've got a gazillion channels. Social media, everybody's got an opinion. Even Christians. And so many of them are so far off base. And if you're not in the word, you won't even know it. How do you build yourself up in the most holy faith? Immerse yourself in the word of God. So for, how do you do that? Well, number one, you read it. You read it. And so let me, let me just tell you this. This is just something I know from life, and I'm getting older, so I just realize it more and more. One of the hardest things you'll ever do in life is anything you plan on doing consistently. You with me? I mean, how many times have you said, I'm going to get up from this day forward the rest of my life, and I'm going to exercise you, are you with me? Didn't happen, did it? That's why the gym is full in January and almost empty by March, right? It's hard to be consistent. It's hard to be consistent in reading God's word. Let me tell you why, because you have an enemy. That's why Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, talks about putting on spiritual armor for the battle that you face every day. It's not just you. You got a whole bunch of things that are going against you. You just need to know that. Be consistent. How, how are we to be consistent? Well, number one, get a plan. Whatever it is, get a plan. For example, read a proverb of the, of, of, of the day. There are 31 proverbs, 31 chapters. At most, there are 31 days in the month. 
every day read the proverb of the day. It's the 33 Proverbs 30. Pick one verse out of chapter 30 that you can just focus on that day. What's God teaching you? What can you learn? You just spend some time in God's word. You say, well, that's not much. It may be more than you're doing now, so it's really a good step of progress, right? It's a plan, all right? Or read through one of the gospels, like the gospel of John. Just spend some time in God's word, listening to God's voice, making note of it. Second thing is, set a time. Pick a plan, set a time. If you don't set a time, it's never going to happen. So well, I'll just read when I get around to it. One day will turn to two, to a week, to a month, and you'll spend a whole year and you'll say, listen, I really did not grow in my faith because I wasn't growing in the faith. You with me? And then third, just never give up. I remember I was spending time, I was on a mission trip in Pennsylvania. I was 19 years old. The pastor that was with me was in his 70s. He was just one of those guys that walked around and you just knew this guy walked with Jesus. He sounds like Jesus. He looks like Jesus. Everything about him is just Jesus. And you're just like, you ever, you ever been around a person like that? It's amazing. And so I was asking him, how in the world did you do that? How did you get to be like this? You just always pray and read the Bible? And he said, no but I never give up. If you miss a day, and it's going to happen, don't get defeated or quit. You don't need to stop listening. Just start again. Just don't give up. So first thing is read it. Second thing is memorize it. Every time I start talking about this, people are like, oh gosh, memorize the Bible. That's crazy. How in the world can we do this? By the way, let me tell you, when I was in seminary, a farmer from Mississippi in the Delta came to our seminary class for preaching and was going to teach all these young pastors how to read scripture aloud. When you just sit there and you're reading it where you are and you're not reading it out loud, it's pretty easy, isn't it? You ever stand in front of people and try to read it? It's amazing how difficult words get. And this guy stood up and, and the the professor introduced him, farmer from the head overalls on, said, uh, I want him to teach you how to publicly read scripture out loud. He said, so, well, somebody tell me your favorite passage. And somebody said, I don't know, Isaiah something. He's like, all right, Isaiah. And this guy starts. He's just standing there. Overalls. He got nothing in his hands. We start flipping in our Bibles. He's word for word. Somebody else calls out a passage. He does it again. I thought it was set up. Somebody called him beforehand, told him what the verses were. Now they're calling him out. But it got to be too many. And the professor finally stopped and said, if you haven't found out by now, this man has memorized the entire Bible. He's a farmer. And so this guy, raise his hand. How'd you do it? Give me the three simple steps to memorizing the Bible. He said, they're not three simple, easy steps to memorize. He said, I just work on it every day. And I've been doing it every day of my life. And then I woke up one morning, and I knew the whole thing. He said, this is what I figured. God wrote one book. least I could do before I die is know it. Pretty powerful, isn't it? You say, well, I'm not a farmer in Mississippi, and I don't have that kind of memory. I can't remember. Let me ask you a question. Does anybody remember the name of a wide receiver that played for the San Francisco 49ers in the late 1980s and early 1990s? Yeah, all the men said Jerry Rice. That was a long time ago. And you still know it, don't you? Yeah. You can remember stuff. 
We just need to remember what's important. Just know this. It's not easy for anybody. I mean, some people have better memories than others, but we need to work on it. Take a verse. You say, well, how do you do it? Well, I'm going to give you the high-tech way first. Here you go. This is what you call a three-by-five card. Everybody know what that is? You just pick a passage and write it down and carry it with you and read it over and over again today. This is the passage I'm working on right now, Psalm 96, verses 2 through 4. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Let me tell you why I picked that. Because when I was a pastor, I ran into people who needed to know Jesus all the time. And just through the normal course of life, I got to talk to people about the gospel. Now I'm working with pastors and staff members all the time. It just reminds me, wherever I go, whatever I'm doing, if I'm at the grocery store, if I'm at the gas pump, I need to make sure that I'm telling of his salvation day to day. It's a good reminder for me. Pick a verse. Maybe it's, maybe it's Acts chapter 20, verse 24 that we just read. Hide that in your heart. Let that become your mission passage. But memorize God's word. Now, here's what you'll, you memorize it. And then you move on to another verse, you move on to another verse, and then one day you're going to be sitting talking to somebody, they're going to ask you a question, and all of a sudden a verse you memorized three years ago is going to come to your mind, and you're going, that is amazing. No, that's the work of God's grace. You deposit it in your soul, and God uses it when He needs it. You with me? So read it, memorize it, and the last thing is obey it. Put it into action. This is, this is what we know about God's Word. This is good, okay? This book will always lead you right, never lead you wrong. This is God's Word to us. You with me? I keep asking you that because y'all are really still, okay? But we need to obey it. For example, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. You've heard it, but listen to this. Paul's writing to a son of the faith. These are... These are letters of endearment to Timothy, instructing him in how to live. And this is what he says. All Scripture is breathed out by God. This is God's Word. Now listen to this. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And verse 17 seals the deal. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good word. Work. Every good work. So think about that for a minute. Whatever God has for you, he will equip you through his word for the task ahead. I love that. The other thing I want to point out, and I'm going to read this. I didn't read it in the first service, but I'm going to read this section of Psalms, uh, Psalm 19. I love this. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Man, that is a good word for us, isn't it? You may be sitting here today and say, you know what? I'm like that pastor. I'm just trying to get back to a place I've already been. There have been times in my life I'm much more closer to God than I am right now. 
It's not that God moved, God quit, God's love never fails. But I need my heart revived. Verse seven, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. So here's the point. How are we gonna keep ourselves in love of God? One, build yourself up in your most holy faith. How do you do that? Growing in the faith builds up your faith. You with me? Audible answer at that point. You with me? Okay, good. Number two, praying in the spirit. Now, what's he talking about praying in the spirit? A lot of people, I think they read into it and thinking, oh, he's talking about praying in tongues. That's not what he's talking about in this passage. And I'll tell you why I know that. The context doesn't bear it out. In verse 19, this is what he says about those false teachers. He says, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit. In other words, he's saying they do not have the spirit of God. Capitalists, the Holy Spirit living in them. But you brothers, but you beloved, you do have the Holy Spirit. So how do you keep yourself in love of God? You listen to his voice and make sure he's hearing yours. I don't, I don't know about you, but it still blows my mind that God hears me. You ever been talking to somebody that is really important and they know it? They have a big title and you're talking to them. And while you're talking to them, you just feel like they may be looking at me, but they're not hearing me. You ever been in those conversations? Where you're talking to them and they're looking past you and all, oh, there's somebody over there and there's somebody over there. Not, oh, what time is it? Oh, keep talking. I'm good. Um, what is, you walk away going, that really was not a conversation. Okay. This is what God tells us in his word. When we pray, he hears us. And so what he's telling us is, listen, we are to keep praying in the spirit, like Ephesians chapter six, verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with prayer and supplication. Uh, Man, it's just a great reminder. In fact, I don't know about you, but there are times when I get down on my knees to pray and I do, do not know what to pray for. I know what I want. Like one of my dear friends right now, who's a worship pastor at Eagles Landing, Matt Duran, he's been on an event for the last four weeks with COVID. I know what I want. I want him back. I want him back. So my heart tells me, pray for healing. I've been praying for God to heal him. I want him back for me. I want him back for his wife, Louisa, and his four children for the church that he helps lead worship in and points people to Jesus. But you know what? This, when we pray, we're not praying so that our will will be accomplished in heaven. We're praying so that God's will will be accomplished on earth. So I've been thinking, man, I, maybe I just need to pray like Martha and Mary when they sent word to Jesus about Lazarus. You know what they said to Jesus? Jesus, the one you love is sick. And they trusted him to do what was needed. Man, there are times we don't even know what, sometimes our circumstances are so weighty, we can't even even start to pray. We get on our knees and get on our face and don't know what to say. We're just overwhelmed by life. And the good news is, then when the Holy Spirit of God intercedes for us, listen to this in Romans chapter eight, we all know verse 28, but maybe we don't know verse 26 and 27. 
Listen to what Paul writes. Likewise, the the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You ever been there? Facing a decision, I don't know what God wants. God, I don't know what to pray for. I don't know your will. The very moment tells us as believers, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God is interceding on our behalf because He's praying with us, for us, according to the will of God. And then it tells us in verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Listen, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Keep living out your faith. The last word, I-N-G word, is the word waiting. He says, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. What's he saying? Plain and simple, Jesus is coming back. Keep your heart set on that. You live today in light of eternity. Man, the other night, I tried to stay up to watch the Georgia Bulldogs play the national championship. Convinced I was going to be heartbroken again. Anybody there? About the third quarter, it was nine to six. It was boring. Georgia was playing terrible, in my opinion. I text all my pastor friends who've been texting me all night from South Carolina, North Carolina, my son, and said, I'm going to bed. I got to be up at four o'clock in the morning. Why they start those games at 8.15 is beyond me. Y'all, y'all with me on that? Goodness gracious. So I go to bed. And my wife said, you can watch it later. She doesn't care anything about football. Like I told her yesterday, Tom Brady retired. He goes, Tom Brady, is that Giselle's husband? <laughs> yes. Seven Super Bowls. She's like, oh, Okay. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, that's good. That's pretty good. Um, So I go to bed. I get up the next day. I look at my phone. I said, what in the world happened in the fourth? Did two other teams start playing in the fourth quarter? And Georgia had won. So a couple days later, a friend of mine comes back for the national championship. We meet for about four hours. He calls me the next morning and says, hey, I hate to tell you this, but I just got tested for COVID and it's positive. I was like, oh, great. So by that night, chills, fever, I got it. But while I'm sick in the afternoon, bored, stiff, sequestered to the upstairs bedroom, I said, don't touch anything downstairs. Don't come down, breathe when you come down here. I do want it, I don't want it. So I'm stuck up there. I'm flipping the channels and it says Alabama, Georgia National Championship game. I'm going to watch that. Gets late in third quarter. Nine to six. No worries. I'm eating Cheetos. Drinking the Dr. Pepper. All's good with the world. Georgia goes up. Alabama comes back. It's fourth quarter. Oh, it's late. 
I don't know what's going to happen. Georgia gets up by one. If I hadn't known what was happening, I would have said, I know what's going to happen. Alabama's going to kick a field goal with three seconds left, and we're going to lose by two, okay? But I wasn't sweating it. You know why? Because I knew the score. So I'm sitting back. I watched the whole game. Of course, guess what happens? Georgia wins. Amazing, isn't it? I walk downstairs, my wife down, she says, don't stay, don't come near me. I said, you don't guess what I just did? I just watched the national championship. She said, well, how was it? I said, it was a blast. She said, so it was fun watching it even after the game? I said, yeah, to be honest with you, it was a whole lot more fun because I knew who was going to win. Listen, you can live today with the calm assurance, Jesus wins. And we win too. So that's why he tells them, if you keep yourself in the love of God, wait long, look forward to the return of Jesus. That'll keep your heart, keep yourself experiencing and enjoying the love of Christ. So listen, you got a lot of life ahead of you. I don't, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know this. You can live for Jesus. You can enjoy his love. Keep building yourself up in the holy faith. Keep praying in the spirit at all times and keep waiting for the return of Jesus and longing for his appearing. And when it's all said and done, we win because Jesus is king. Amen.